Hey friends, this is Sam Denning, your host of The Rift, Enlightenment Within the Divide. Joining me in my the conversation today is Don Scalise. He is a social studies teacher at Cabell Midland High School, and um, he has been through a lot and seen a lot of different changes. So I thought that he would be a great person to have on this podcast to discuss, you know, how things in the education system in Cabell County are going to be this fall. So please welcome Don Scalise to the podcast. Welcome, Don. Hey, thanks for having me, Sam. I appreciate being here. Yeah, no problem. So, uh, you know, I, I kind of had asked around. I was looking for people to get on this show uh, to talk about how this pandemic and COVID-19 has specifically affected their lives. And I was asking around and you were brought to my attention and you and I had a, uh, you know, we've known each other from many years ago. And I thought you'd be a great person to have on here since you have been in the school system for a while and you've seen a lot of different things. So maybe you'd be a very good person to have on here to talk about this fall and maybe last spring. I I appreciate that. Uh, I don't know what people told you, but it's probably mostly lies anyway. So, uh, but no, there's, there's a lot of changes going on in education recently. And, and the last five years in general have, have uh, been interesting to say the least. So, uh, you know, we got big changes coming up this year and last, uh, the last nine weeks of last year, uh, were definitely uh, difficult and interesting, um, to say the least. Yeah. Well, first of all, I'd like to ask you, how many years have you been in teaching? Uh, this is my 15th year in Cabell County and my 17th year overall. Okay. And how many years have you actually been at Cabell Midland? Uh, all 15, or this, this year, uh, I've, every year I've been in Cabell County, I've been at Cabell Midland. So it's the only place I've worked in Cabell County. I was in Kanawha County for a couple of years and uh, I was fortunate enough to get a job here and fall of 2006 and I've been here ever since. Okay. Awesome. And what do you specifically teach like this coming fall? Uh, I teach a, a world history class uh, it's from 1850 to present and an AP U.S. government and politics class. Okay. So I'm going to put the cart before the horse here, but I'm curious. So you got those classes. Um, did you have any idea which direction that this was going to be leaning for teaching in the fall? Like, did you start to prepare for online stuff early on or were you hopeful, you know, kind of, are you just now having to rush and get everything ready for online learning or did you kind of predict this might happen? Well, there's a lot of things that we've been doing that, that we're already moving in that direction. Uh, here in Capitol County, we use an online platform called Schoology, uh, which lets not only you update grades and put lesson plans on there, but you can upload documents and different files, uh, audio clips, video clips, things that you use in class that you want kids to have access to if they want to go back and look over it again, or if they lose a paper or an assignment, it's all uploaded on the internet. So, you know, we've been using that for a couple of years now. And so a lot of the work that I put on there anyway, you know, it's already done. Uh, you know, there's certain things that I did in the last quarter of last year that were different. Like if I wanted to do uh, a lecture that I was going to do in class, uh, you know, the, the easiest thing would uh, just to be record an audio clip and upload it. So, you know, we were already moving in that direction. And uh, um, most teachers have kind of adapted to that. So, you know, 
even before COVID was a thing, we were already, already moving, moving in that, that way. So like it wasn't a huge shock to the system in the spring. Although, I mean, well, yeah, let's, let's go into that. How, how was it when it, you just kind of abruptly, all right, you know, no more in class school in this, in the spring. I think we, we were a little surprised. Uh, I, you know, I remember it's funny. We were talking about the other day, some other teachers that, uh, last year, the last day we had kids was Friday the 13th, March 13th. <sighs> I remember that. And, uh, you know, I joked with my seniors that I was like, Hey guys, if, if I don't see you again, it's been a good run this year, you know? And I really thought that, uh, maybe a couple weeks cause we had, uh, we were gone for a week and then our spring break was scheduled. And I'm like, well, maybe we'll be back after spring break. And, uh, it became pretty clear that that just wasn't going to happen. Um, and I think everybody was a little caught off guard by that. Um, and the getting kids to, to do things remotely can be difficult. There's a lot of challenges involved with that that you don't initially think about. Yeah. How do you enforce? So there's so many questions that go into this. How do you enforce attendance? Um, is it someone just logging on and they're present or do you have to physically see them in some sort of? Well, last I mean, year we, because everything was, uh, you know, very abrupt uh, and there wasn't really a lot of time to prepare for that. Uh, Cabell County and not just Cabell County, but a lot of school systems in the state and the country uh, made some changes. So for instance, um, they wanted to be flexible with deadlines. Um, they wanted to, uh, for example, they didn't let a student for the last nine weeks, their grade could not drop below whatever their third nine weeks grade was. Okay. And they, the idea was we don't want kids to mentally or emotionally stress out over this, but uh, some kids took advantage of that and, and they just didn't do anything as kids do. Yeah. And you know, that's like for teenagers, especially like I'm dealing with 17 and 18 year olds. And, uh, you know, that if they, a lot of them, if they get an opportunity to take a shortcut, they will. Um, especially seniors who, you know, that was the last, yeah, I mean, last nine weeks of their senior year. And many of them already been accepted to college scholarships are lined up and you know, they, uh, is that same sort of thing carrying over into this fall, or do they have a more rigid? It's going to be more rigid in terms of like the the grading thing is not going. That's not going to happen this year. Um, the The idea is that at least people have seen this coming to an extent, and so they're like, "Hey, you need to plan appropriately." Okay, so let me ask you because they they've now come out in Cabell County where they're doing two days a week. Right. And they're alternating based on your last name Correct. as to which days. And then Wednesday is supposed to be a deep cleaning day. Right? right. Okay. So how those students have standard class and then they have supplemental things, obviously, right, that are online. Yes. Let's say you you were a student that chooses to do fully online, which my the last person I did on the podcast, Ryan Stoner, he's having his children do online, although they're much younger than high school age. But do do they do live classes or is everything pre-recorded and just something that they click on and download? Like, do you actually keep track of their, the, their attendance or is it just all on them? Well, um, here's what they're doing here. And I think a lot of people didn't understand this and this might cause people to change their mind. If you take the all virtual option, uh, you won't have Cabell County teachers teaching your kids. They're going to do uh, a virtual school program that West Virginia has used for years so, you know, if you're a high school student and you, let's say you're taking, um, you know, AP government, uh, you wouldn't have me for class. You would have some random teacher who uh, already has learning modules and, and other programs and information set up to teach that class. Yeah, they basically have something they've 
bot that yes. they're going to put on there I, and let you. And teachers would still like, there's still a teacher connected to it, but it may not, it's probably not going to be somebody from Capital County. Right. Okay. Wow. That's interesting. So that there's a lot of the, there's probably an inexhaustible amount of questions that deal with this. So there isn't in that, in that certain department, there isn't necessarily an attendance sort of thing. And I, I hate to keep leaning on this, but basically if they're not passing, they're just not, it's on, there. they're obviously yeah. not doing it. Um, here's another thing. How do you, how do you do testing? How do you do things like that online and not, and, and, and know for sure that it's secure, the person's not cheating, their parents aren't helping them. There's a couple of things that we can do through the platform I was telling you about Schoology. You can create tests and quizzes, um, and it allows you to, to change options with that. So let's say I want to create a multiple choice test. Um, I can put a, a time limit on the test as a whole. I can put a time limit on each question. Um, I can create more options on the multiple choice, how many options I want students to have, and I can randomize the order so that, you know, you and your friend can't look at the same set of questions at the same time. Okay, yeah, that's good. So there's ways to reduce that. Obviously, you can't get rid of it. Um, but, you know, I always tell my kids anyways, like last year, I was like, hey, uh, don't try to use your book or your notes. Trust what you know. And you because if you try to do that, you're going to have to spend too much time looking things up rather than answering the questions. Yeah, so you can kind of find a sweet spot where – they should be able to do it if they've read it right. and you if don't give do them the enough work. time that they can flip through a book and figure it out. Yeah. Uh, you know, my wife um, at Marshall had done several online classes and they had an interesting thing, thing there for their testing where they would record you on video and make sure, you know, that your picture matched up with your ID and that there wasn't another face in, you know, on the screen. I thought that was kind of fascinating. Now, I don't know if they, if that was like a computer, like a, something where it generated all oh, there's two faces. Cause obviously, you know, you Don don't have the time to sit and watch whether or not someone's face pokes up right during and everybody's test. I mean, that also, would take you days um, through the, uh, the college board group who does the AP testing uh, for every AP class. Now they have like an online platform. Like if you want to give your kids sample questions from the AP exam or assignments to do, uh, you can put those on there and it can require that you have a lockdown browser so that, uh, you know, it reduces the Yeah, you can't leave that yes. to go on to Google or, right. or whatever. Okay. And so, the, you know, we, we minimize it and it's, it's like a, it's a, you know, it's a cat and mouse game, really move and counter move. And kids are, you know, I tease them. I'm like, Hey, if you guys put as much time into studying the material as you did trying to work around the system, you know, you'd, you'd get an A anyway. Right. And that's a good way to put it. So I'm going to put the ball in your court on this. What, what do you what is what do you think the pros of this are and the cons of it are for online learning? You mean yeah, or? because obviously there's some things about this that you think probably are okay, and there's some things that uh, I'm sure that we would like to hear from your perspective that you know we that I like the social aspect of being in school that are probably a con. Um, I'd say the pros are are this that it does allow like if you're self motivated if you're if your child is a self motivated person and uh, if you have a young kid like an elementary the the odds are they aren't but like let's say you got a middle school high school student who is uh, self motivated they can go at their own pace uh, they can get work done much quicker and much more efficiently and uh, you know some kids prefer that uh, they can read material listen to online material do their work as they see fit. And uh, it teaches them some time management skills. 
If they get too far behind, they realize it pretty quickly and they start to have to catch up. Uh, the problem is, though, is I don't think they're, you know, the kids who are self-motivated like that, uh, I think, are the minority of students. Also, it, it takes away from in-class experience uh, being around other people who are not only like-minded, but uh, kids who think differently. You benefit uh, you benefit from other people and being exposed to their ideas. Uh, also, having a teacher in the room, somebody you can instantly ask questions to, and that understands the nuance of your questions that, yeah, you can Google things, but what happens when you get search results that aren't really, you know, trying to answer what you're looking for? Um, so, you know, in that regard, it's, it's kind of a con. And I'm not a huge fan of online classes in general. Uh, I think you miss out on something. Um, there's definitely, uh, you know, and research will show this too, that the things that in student achievement, uh, the two things that matter the most uh, the, the student's home life, home situation, stability of that, and the teacher in the classroom. Uh, those things matter the most. And, uh, you know, yeah, they think, matter more than the material. Um, almost, you know what I mean? Yeah, I, I, they, I would, uh, you know, the, the quality of online instruction, even high quality online instruction, which I think you can do, uh, you know, you need an adult there to monitor children and redirect their attention, uh, because it's easy for a kid to get distracted. There are so many uh, entertainment forums and, and options for kids online, gaming, uh, Netflix, Amazon Prime. Uh, they can talk to their friends, play on social media. Uh, they can do a number of things that would distract them. Whereas if they're in a classroom, it's like, here's what we're focused on, and you're going to focus on it. Uh, whereas at, at home, you know, you're trusting them to do that. Uh, a big disadvantage I see also on the online platform, is that parents uh, don't always have child care options uh, at home. Um, they don't always have internet access. And right now, now we are going to correct this a little bit, but access to devices. Uh, last year, I had a senior who uh, emailed me and said, look, I'm not, you know, trying to, uh, not trying to ditch my responsibilities or my work, but I have two siblings and we have one computer. And so we really have to take turns doing our work. And, and she was in high school. She had a sibling in middle school and one in elementary school. And so they're all at different levels. You know, elementary kids need, uh, it's, it's more important for them than it is for high school students. Does that make sense? Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Cause high, yes. You know, there's one thing you threw out that I hadn't really thought of. Now I'm a social being as you are too, I think. Um, you know, and I, 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 uh, I'm, I'm pretty much anti this. I'm going to, you know, anti all online and maybe it has its place and we'll get in. I'll ask you some questions in a little bit on as to whether you think it'll ever end, you know, if there's any ending to how this will go, um, if things will ever get back totally to normal. But I hadn't thought necessarily, you know, I come, this is my personal story. I come from a family that's pretty well off, especially for Huntington standards. You know, my dad's a surgeon in town and he has been for a long time. So part of what, makes me who I am. And for any of those, uh, any of you that are listening, you know, I mean, I've got a kind of an outgoing personality and, but my, my point with this is that, um, I don't think I'd necessarily have that if I spent my high school years sitting behind a computer in my house where right. we have everything that we want and I would be living in a bubble and I would get out, maybe go to college. Maybe college would still be online based on the way things are right now. And I just foresee that I would, I personally would not be the same person I am today if I grew up in an environment like it is 
today, <laughs> if and, that uh, makes sense. It does, and I think a lot of kids are like that. But I said there are the minority who who would benefit and do benefit from this. Yeah, and I well, I hate to cut you off, but like you said too, they, a lot of the students, the teachers can try to prod things along, but oftentimes there are a lot of classes, and I remember them myself, where you're kind of being educated on the, at the at the pace of the least common denominator right. of the class. So I, I do understand that. It's like, come on, come on, you know, this isn't engaging me enough, isn't engaging. And so those people, um, I can understand that too. So you've raised a lot of really interesting things to think about. But, um, you know, do you think that this will kind of, you know, the pandemic and all, all, all the stuff with uh, – with that's going on in schools and, you know, restaurants and all of this social distancing. And do you see that this is going to ever ease up? Do you feel like people are ever going to feel, and I mentioned this on my last podcast, that people are ever going to feel like it's safe enough to go back to normal? I think, I think they will. Uh, I think right now in the midst of it, uh, it's, it's hard to see an end. Uh, and that's any type when you're struggling with anything, like whatever situation you're in, like if you're in physical pain or you have bad health or you're sick or you have financial problems in the midst of those problems, it seems like it's going to last forever. Um, and I know people are struggling with a lot of different things right now, but eventually it will get back to normal that, um, as we develop better therapies for this, as we develop vaccines, uh, more effective medications, I, I think that it will go back to normal you know, we've had dealt with, like, you, you go back to 1918 and the influenza pandemic, um, which killed, end up killing more people than World War One. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, eventually uh, people got through it and they don't have nearly the technology to help move beyond that that we have today. So we will get back to uh, a normal. Uh, I don't think it's always going to be this way. And, you know, we're just normal people talking about this. But if history shows us anything, uh, we do overcome uh, these things we do tend to persevere through them and find ways to continue existing and uh, not limiting that existence. Yeah, you know, but I, I also see from the school board fact, and like, let's think of, and, and you're not a university professor, but let's think about universities too. They may see this as an opportunity to be able to trim some fat. So uh, there is a different element, not just the safety element, but hey, did we save money on payroll last year? Universities, uh, you know, and granted, I, I can't speak to this too much because I'm not working there, but uh, they have, you know, I think professors, many professors, and, and a lot of administrators were once university professors themselves. I think they understand uh, the importance of an in-class experience. Um, and uh, whether or not, I, I see an argument to both sides of this, but uh, young people getting an opportunity to go to college and start to live on their own a little bit. Uh, that experience uh, matters a little bit as well. And uh, maybe you'll see uh, a tightening of the number of colleges and universities that, that are there, but I don't think uh, brick and mortar institutions are, are going to necessarily leave. Um, and, and I think, like I said, in terms of a university setting, it's kind of like a school that you benefit from being around other people, not just like-minded people, but people who can sharpen you, uh, you know, by presenting a different idea, uh, thinking in a different aspect than what you do. Yeah. I, I, I see, I, I'm on board with that. You know, people should be going back to class full time. I think that the benefits of that outweigh the risks for, um, 
any potential risks, you know, you want to say, well, we might prevent a death, but it's like at what cost at the cost of every child not having social interaction. And you know, what does that do? We don't even know what that does. Well, kids have been going to school for decades. I'm going to, I want to push back a little bit on that because I understand why people are concerned about social uh, socialization of their children. Uh, But you think before, uh, before modern education systems, I mean, how did kids socialize then? Um, you know, I mean, George Washington never went to a public school and I think he turned out all right. Uh, there are so many men and women who never got the socialization aspect of things. And maybe that's good. We want to think that socialization is always good. But uh, what if a kid is a bad influence on your child? Uh, and not to mention, you can still, you know, find ways to get your kids around other human beings that don't involve school. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, which is why I find this all fascinating because you're still able to do that, but you just can't do it at school. Well, you think about it. Um, and, and I, if you, you know what I mean? If you can get your kids around other kids, then it's kind of like, why can't they just be around other kids at school? Well, here's, here's why I think why i um, like, I'm going to use my school as a, for instance, uh, Cabell Midland high school on a normal school year has approximately 1900 kids in the building. And anywhere from 150 to 200 employees that are working there, not to mention any adults that come in the building, guests, et cetera, sporting events, you got spectators. Um, so you got all these people and the school buildings are not made for social distancing. Uh, these kids are all coming together in the same location and mixing around with one another. Whereas let's say, you know, in your neighborhood, maybe you take your kid, you and your, your kid are around the same five or six families, and uh, that's going to present less of a health hazard than, say, uh, kids at a school. Uh, some schools have already restarted, um, and they've seen outbreaks of corona. And, and I know people point this out that, especially for younger people, they are less likely to die from corona. Uh, but the problem is, I think, when you get mass number of cases, you see hospitals uh, overloaded. They have less beds available, um, and treating people becomes extremely difficult. Um, and I and I understand why people want their kids to go back to school, but anybody who has an underlying health problem is at severe risk for for dying. Um, so you know you got all these people, and I've seen uh, University of North Carolina, Notre Dame. They have already moved from in person classes to uh, going straight online. Yeah, I think that the older you get, you should be more, you know, more, um, aware. I think that in my opinion, I think kids, maybe not so much, it might be good to go ahead and get them exposed. This is my personal opinion. You know, I've had a couple conversations with people where I, you know, I've asked them and I guess I can ask you, have you ever had the flu? Yeah. Yeah. I've had the yeah. flu. It's not okay. fun. Yeah. Right. Do you think you're going to get COVID? I, I don't know. Um, well, if you've had the flu, then you're very, very, very likely to get COVID at some point before you die. Well, you know, it's a possibility. Like this is the, the COVID virus is from what I understand, and I'm, I'm not a medical expert, but from what I understand, the, this particular virus has been around, but this is a variation of that virus that is, you know, presents a particular problem. And uh, I've known very healthy people who have gotten COVID, and even though they recovered, the recovery slow. Uh, they're still still dealing with fatigue and tiredness uh, on a regular basis. And so, you know, it's not something that I would want anybody to experience. Right. Uh, you don't want to actively go out and get right, it. Right, right. Right. Which I, you know, you know, wearing masks and things uh, that may prevent it. 
obviously you can totally prevent it by not being around anybody. But my kind of where I'm going with this is that it's obviously, you know, no dispute. It's much, much, much more contagious than the flu. Right. And I know people, myself included. As a matter of fact, I can ask everybody I know and everybody's had the flu. They've even had the flu shot and still got the flu. So that just anecdotally tells me we're all going to eventually get COVID-19 because if we got in the flu and we've even had flu shots, then why wouldn't we get COVID? Well, I, here's my response to that. I don't think, I don't know that that's necessarily true. It uh, depends on how effective a vaccine is because you look at something like, for instance, polio. Uh, vaccines have pretty much eradicated that. And, uh, you know, with our well, medical knowledge. So you're saying that we should only go back to normal if we have a vaccine. I'm not saying that necessarily. I'm saying that uh, I think that at least the direction right now, like at least you read about trials and the the expedited process, I think that uh, you definitely, like you're going to see, I don't think we should be taking chances when we don't have an infrastructure in terms of a uh, number of hospital beds uh, available and effective treatments for these people. We don't. We shouldn't go back to no masks, no social distancing until we have the, the means to do this. And I know people aren't comfortable with that, but, uh, you know, I'll give you another example. For instance, uh, my great uncle was 96 and he was already in the hospital for some other problems and he contracted COVID. Mm. And uh, he eventually died from that. And he had to die in a hospital alone. Uh, and that's very frustrating that no one should have to die that way. And, you know, you understand when somebody's that old that they're 96, that they could die at any time. But, uh, you know, I don't want anybody to really have to deal with that. Um, I don't want somebody's loved one being sick uh, or dying because we didn't have the ability to treat everybody with COVID because people don't want to wear masks and it spreads. Uh, like you said, it's very contagious. Mm-hmm. Yeah. See, I would be the person to say, I don't think he should have died alone. I think you guys should have been able to go in there and it probably would have been okay. But that's my pushback on it. I I think that I understand the social distancing and I understand the masks, but statistically for like kids, it's, we have plenty of evidence to suggest our hospitals aren't and have not ever been overwhelmed with a whole bunch of kids with COVID-19 and they're not dying. Well, some yeah. might be just like some kids might die of the flu. Um, I'm not saying this is the flu. I'm just saying it is definitely more contagious than the flu. I would be surprised if we did not, everyone did not get this. Well, hey, here's just something that, even though I understand that kids are le- way less likely to die from this unless you have like an immuno uh, deficiency, but my, one of my great concerns is kids as carriers. Uh, we have in West Virginia, a large number of kids living with grandparents. Um, and even myself, I worry about, um, like for instance, I go visit my parents frequently. Um, a couple weeks ago, my dad had surgery, so I had to go up there and help them quite a bit. And, you know, I had to tell them when school starts, uh, I just can't come around for a while. Yeah. Um, See, that's the smart thing to do. Instead of telling kids you don't go to school, you tell people you don't go around the elderly. Well, you know, like I said, some kids don't have a choice that well, their primary true. caregivers are the elderly. And uh, we also, and and granted, you don't know the medical history of everybody, but, you know, what if the kid's mom uh, has some type of, like I said, immunodeficiency where she struggles or 
uh, for example, and, and even though my mom's older, uh, you know, we're, we're trying to be extra careful because she has underlying lung problems that mm-hmm. she's had for several years now. And, you know, if she gets COVID, it's, it's going to be really dangerous for her. So, you know, we have to be smart about that. Yeah, I think that, I mean, there's a lot of necessity to a lot of this. Um, I just foresee that, and I've said this before, that I don't necessarily see it ending in its current form at all because I don't think there ever becomes a point where someone feels totally easy with, you know, totally. I, I likened it in the last podcast when you ask somebody that's very wealthy, you know, when are you going to stop trying to make so much money? And they say, you know, when I've got enough. Well, they never have enough. That's why they become a billionaire. When are you ever going to feel safe enough? Well, there's always going to be somebody that's dying of COVID. There's always going to be somebody dying of the flu. Um, we don't. We don't know that. There no. isn't a. There isn't a line in the sand um, about it. We, we. You know. We. We think like. For example, what if we were having this conversation a hundred years ago and people would be like, well, somebody's always dying of, uh, you know, some type of infection and then we find antibiotics. Um, you know, we don't know what the future holds. So I get what you're saying. It's hard to quantify like a acceptable safe level. Right. But, uh, and what if we don't find it for five years? Do you see what I mean? Cause you're right. Yes. There, eventually it will be found, but when, when do the, my, my whole point is, and I'm not disagreeing with anything you're saying, but right. when do you draw a line and say the benefits of this or the costs of what we are doing don't outweigh the, the benefits of the kids going all back to school normally? That's kind of where I'm leaning. That's a this. great question. Yeah. Um, and, and I understand why people are concerned about that, but, uh, and, and we were talking about this, that even though the, the mortality rate for children is much lower do you want to take a chance with your kid like that? Well, I am. You're a father. Yeah, I'm sending my son back to preschool. Um, and, and and let me, and even though that's a case, like, does it make you not even a tiny bit uneasy? I wonder about it. I'm curious about what's going to happen. Um, you know, I don't want to jinx myself. <laughs> so, you know, that's always a good thing to throw in there, right? You know, I felt like last, and this is kind of, you know, a little bit comical, but He's going to uh, Fatima and, you know, we're paying, I don't know, four or $500 a month. And, you know, they quit, they closed down like everybody right. else. And we don't really, you know, the kid was two last year. He wasn't going there for online education or even in-person education. It was a freaking daycare right. basically. And uh, those bills, those, uh, they, they kept coming. And you're like, why am I paying? Yeah. This? So we've literally were getting nothing. And then we've had that for me, it's been more of a financial thought at this point. I'm more worried about paying all this money and him never being able to go. And we still having to watch him. But for my wife's sake, it's a, it's about to drive us insane having the kids here all the time and she doesn't work. So am I worried? That would worry me. I'm not, I'm not overly worried for someone his age at all, to be honest with you. I'm just in my, this is going to sound very shameful, but I'm more worried about, you know, am I paying all this money and then they're going to cancel it again and I'm going to be on the hook for it again. And we're still going to have to watch our kid. And look, I, I would, I'd add this. I understand that parents right now are, are being put in a bind, uh, not just in terms of financially, but just I need to know that someone responsible is watching my child. Um, and schools, even though education is an important thing in life, I understand that we also are making sure that your kids are safe. And that's, uh, I think, an important function in society. Um, 
but teachers are dealing with the same issue. You know, um, I don't have children myself, but I know several people in our building who have young kids and they are worried about uh, their kids getting sick. They're worried about themselves getting sick and not being able to care for their children. Um, they, uh, they're dealing with this, this also. And I get it. Parents, I feel like there are no good options that I can't afford childcare. I can't take my kids to work with me. I can't afford to stay home. Uh, and, and I really sympathize um, with that, but, um, you know, I, I will say this, I'm glad, uh, I'm not a decision maker on that level. That's, I yeah. uh, like, these are some tough choices to make. Yeah. And I know for, for us, you know, my wife is here, but it's been very, you know, I've got a three-year-old that's very, very, very active and a eight month old. And I know a lot of people out there can handle it and she can handle it, but you know, it's tough to do when you can't take real vacations. You can't do anything. You're stuck in the, you're stuck in the house all day, every day. And, uh, you know, we're doing a pretty good job. I work like I was telling you earlier before the thing started, you know, I work, I, I, I mow grass. I'm not around anybody unless I like want to be, which is never, uh, I don't really want to be around anybody. Uh, but, um, you know, I do get the people I'm the most worried about. Like my mother lives in a, uh, retirement home up at the woodlands and, you know, I get worried about that. There's a lot of people up there that I think if they were to get it, you know, you got, it's flipping a coin. Um, and I'm not willing to take that risk. Like I'm much more willing to send my son and think, you know, he'll be okay. If he gets it, he'll just be uh, immunized. Hopefully. Right. Um, and, and probably be okay. If he's the one kid out of a million or whatever that dies, I will feel horrible. Um, and then I'll probably not send my other son ever to school. <laughs> you know and, what I'm saying? And I get that. And like I said, I, you know, at some point we, you know, you want to go back to normal, but uh, I think as a whole, uh, we don't, you know, our society is not used to inconveniencing ourselves, uh, right? not in the least. And uh, that's why you see, like we were talking about earlier before we started, there's a lot of pushback just on people wearing a mask. Yeah. Uh, and I'm like, look, that's that's something small. Uh, you, you know, I, I don't yeah, know Like why I said, I'm not going to die on that hill. Yeah, uh, uh, I get it. Uh, and I know in Cabell County, like people, we just made a change last week about uh, they're not going to allow the five-day option for public schools right now. And I know that parents are really frustrated because uh, a good chunk of parents had, had signed their kids up for five days, uh, five days a week of school. Um, um, but we, you know, I, I would say this, that a lot of, everyone is inconvenienced to some point. And I'm wondering if the schools, and this, this is just totally thrown out there, but I'm wondering if they're going to give a voucher or something to all these parents to maybe help them with childcare. They, I would say this, the school systems, they don't have the money to do that. Like, we need, uh, you know, this is one of the things I'd be a proponent for is that the federal government needs to create, I know that there's some debate on how much money to spend, but there needs to be another relief package in terms of spending to help people uh, get through this situation. Because like I said, I understand it right now. Parents feel like they're jammed up because you have a lot of families now that are two parent uh, incomes, two fam- two income families. And uh, they, they're like, Hey, I'm, I'm not accustomed to having to deal with this and we're not equipped to deal yeah, with this. One of them is, is going to definitely have to be around or yeah. find someone to be around. And not everybody has that. Right. Um, and I'm like the federal government, uh, needs to, to own this, uh, right now. Uh, and whether you like, uh, the current administration in the white house or not, uh, whoever was there, they need to realize that right now 
people need help. Yeah, they the, just need to man up. The response, uh, the response to this has been, uh, I think, less than it's it's been subpar. Um, and uh, and anybody who knows me knows I'm not a Trump fan. But well, Don, uh, they've done a really really good job aligning all their buddies' pockets with money during this. It's uh, been very successful. I think uh, small businesses, uh, you know, that uh, they they've not gotten the money they need to get by to help their employees. Uh, you need to help people in terms of unemployment benefits. Again, you need to help parents, uh, and it's not fun. And I don't like spending deficit spending, but this is a time like emergencies. You know, most uh, most people I know would not have a problem with this and saying it's okay to borrow money in order to to spend it uh, to help citizens in a time where most people need some help. Yeah, I think that there's definitely some places money still needs to be thrown at. Absolutely. Um, I think that there needs to be a lot of things given out. Like there needs to be money given to people that have continued to work through this, you know, kind of as a, a means to tell them, you know, thank you for keeping the whole country still going. Yeah. Your, your essential um, employees yeah. have been, uh, been, uh, you know, they've done a, a stand up job, but as far like from, from pop, Politically speaking, I think they want something to happen. They've all promised it. So something has to happen or they're all going to look like idiots. Um, uh, you know, all a lot of them, of, both a sides. Lot of them, a lot of them do look like idiots oh, right yeah. now. Oh, yeah, they definitely do. And that's it. Uh, and uh, that I'm just, uh, I think it's a really embarrassing time that uh, people can't come to an agreement about what to do in light of the current situation. Um and I know that both parties will want to blame the other, but uh, people right now need some form of financial assistance. Mm-hmm. Need. Well, especially when we get to the months where the kids should be going back to school, which is right now, like as this is going to get released. You know, like you said, what what do you what do you do if you got two? Well, first of all, what if you're a single mom and you got to work? That's just one example, and you you have to work, but then you can't work, so then you got to pay for some childcare. Well. How do you pay for that? How do you do, you know, how does this all go? Um, I don't know. Some people might say what well, was on the school board, particularly the local that made the decision that your kid couldn't go. So maybe it should be on. I'm just playing. You right. know, who, who do you blame? And at the end of the day, I'll reference, and I'm not saying this just to try to play devil's advocate, but like you were mentioning, you know, George Washington and them, they sure didn't rely on the government to pay for their schooling. Maybe just stay home and get taught. And the, maybe we just kind of retract ourselves back and maybe people don't have to work and they can have gardens and provide for themselves. And, you know, uh, I get <laughs> you know what, what you're I mean. Saying, I, I, I mean, that's an extreme version, yeah, but, but uh, we're not going back to that. You know, uh, that's that rural life and, and that type of thing is it's done. And that was a time when, you know, uh, really only wealthy people could afford education for their children. And not to mention, uh, early on, Thomas Jefferson and a few other uh, people tried to advocate for a public education system in Virginia. And, you know, that idea got shot down. Uh, I think that, you know, there's no going back. Uh, There's too many people. The country's too urban uh, and and education's too important. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, this has been a very fascinating topic. I think that you, I could probably have you back on here and we could talk about this kind of stuff all the time. Like I have my thoughts on the unemployment. I don't think it shouldn't be renewed, but I think that they gave, especially for West Virginia standards, they gave people plenty of money that they've got time to wait. 
unless they blew it all. And if they blew it all, that's not the government's fault and it's not mine either. Um, I did a calculation that they should have had made an additional $7,200 on average more than they would have normally been paid if it, if they were paid up to 100% of their pay mm-hmm. in West Virginia because each state's different. But they're still able to draw unemployment, just not with the extra 600 So my question is, how long can you take that 7200 that they got paid above and beyond their normal wages? How long can that last them before they truly are not making what they used to make? And it's about six months. The problem is they don't have it because they, not all of them, but some people don't have it because they spent it. And that's nobody's fault, but their own. I, you know, I don't want to, I would say this. I understand that there are always people who are going to spend that money inappropriately, but. Oh, they're not, they didn't spend it inappropriately. Well, they they might not. They might have. They could uh, spend it on whatever they want. But my point is, is that when it's not there during a time like this, when the government's trying to decide what to do, um, I, I dispel the arguments that, especially on the unemployment side, that the people are suddenly don't have any money I, based know, on unemployment. If they don't have any money at that point, it's because they blew it. It's not because the government was not uh, I, decisive on unemployment. I don't want to say that they blew it. I don't understand. Like, I don't, I'd have to, you know, you'd have to listen to somebody explain their economic situation. There could be factors beyond what, what we can see right now. Um, so I don't, I don't want to throw anybody under the bus there. I'm not throwing them under the bus. I'm saying it's $7,200 above 100% of their previous pay. It would be like, hey, I still kept my job and I made my normal pay and then I got $7,200 more. Then suddenly some random day, the end of July, I have no money. Uh, you know, correct me if I'm wrong on this. And I, I've had the good fortune. I've never had to get unemployment. Yeah, that's. Do you get 100% of your pay? No, you get, I don't know what it is. It's something like 30 or 40%. So, you know, uh, you're not getting the money, even with the extra money that you're getting on top of the unemployment benefits right now. Right. You're not, you're getting $7,200 in that duration in that time period from when they started paying from March till the end of July, you got your unemployment pay. Plus you got an extra 600, which put people to a hundred percent plus an additional three to $400. You add that up every single week for three or four months. It's significantly more. You see what you follow what I'm saying? So my point is, is it's not one day you didn't just snap your fingers and have no money. You, you should have enough money. If you don't have enough money, I'm not necessarily saying it's, it's just, it's just not my fault and it's not the government's fault. You should have had a little bit of foresight. Um, you had enough money, and this is what I was trying to say earlier, you had enough extra money to take the unemployment you're still able to draw and make it 100% of your pay through December if you kept it. Now, if you didn't keep it, I'm sorry, but it's, you know, it is what it is. I'm not saying they shouldn't still get something renewed, but there's plenty of time on unemployment. From unemployment perspective, there's plenty of time. If the person doesn't have the money, it's not the government's fault. They gave them the money. I'd have to look at the. Uh, I'd have to look at people's situation. I'd say that I don't. I don't want to lump anybody, everybody into one. Say and say, well, it's your fault if you don't have it. Well, right. Like if let's say my grandpa, who he's already dead, but let's just say my grandpa died and I had to bury him. Okay, I might not have the money. Sorry, that's one 
situation. But you know, if I wasn't getting that extra $7,200, I sure as hell would not have had the money <laughs> coming well, in. You know what I mean? It's not, so it doesn't, there are, it doesn't situations. change, it doesn't change any situation other than for the better. So if someone wouldn't have had the money due to a situation, then they definitely would not have had the money due to that same situation. They're still, they still could be drowning in debt. You know, they, they could have been barely making it by when they had uh, work. And like you said, we're all in America, even with health insurance, you're one uh, real medical problem away from economic disaster. Mm -hmm. Especially if you don't have health insurance. Oh, absolutely. And even, like I said, even if you have it, you still, uh, you know, you still could owe a lot of money. Yeah. Well, you know, and they're, they're on, on the unemployment thing. I, I do, I do think something needs to be done for those people, but I don't think it's quite the rush. And if it is a rush for certain, for, for people, then they weren't wise with their money. And that's not the government's job to choose whether they were or were not wise. You see, you see what I'm saying? I see what you're saying. Yeah. Like I'm not, I'm not trying to make a judgment call on where right. it went. I'm just trying to say if they should not be making a judgment call the other way around. But I think that, you know, like uh, you, you've raised a lot of pretty, pretty interesting issues. Um, and they're definitely a lot of stuff we're going to see that's going to change. This is probably a totally fluid. Well, it really is. I mean, I, there's the possibility Jim Justice here in West Virginia has said he's going to make a final call on September 1st, uh, whether we can still go to school at all. And so there's the possibility that he could just dial it back and say, we're going all online, all virtual, and that's just the way it's going to be. Um, and, uh, you know, there's there's other things that could transpire as well. You know, what if there's an uptick in number of, of new infections? So, you know, we're, I mean. There's uh, so many factors at play. And, and what if there's and, and an you outbreak? Know, you when, know that there's going to be, I mean, that, it's too contagious. Like I'm not, I'm not the kind of guy to sit here and deny it's not contagious. It's very contagious. I'm not going to deny it's not deadly. It's deadly. I'm not going to deny wearing a face mask doesn't help. It does. And I, I've argued with a buddy of mine and here I am, you know, trying to end this thing, but we're, but this is fascinating. You know, he argues up and down the road about shouldn't wear a face mask, shouldn't wear a face mask. And it doesn't do anything because people don't know how to handle a face mask. You know, um, if they wear it and then they go to pull it off and they grab it in the wrong way, they can get, they can get the virus on their hands and still get it. And then I look at them and I say, well, if they got the virus on their hands, then it inevitably means that the mask stopped it. Right. And he looks at me like, man, I hate you. And I said, that's like saying if I put a trash bag over my body and you hosed me down with a water hose, and then I had to take my hand to pull the trash bag off. My hand got wet. That's like telling me that the trash bag didn't keep my body from getting wet. Well, something else that you, you <laughs> kind of uh, put my mind to a little bit that, you know, we're like at school right now, teachers are already back. And, and you know, the school has already made a lot of effort to try to make this as safe as possible. Um, and, you know, we've got labels for things in the hallways, different directions to go. Um, there's going to be masks required. Uh, there's going to be a deep clean every week. Um, we're going to have like, uh, you know, for example, they've already put more hand sanitizers with strong, uh, you know, uh, higher and, alcohol yeah, content. Yeah. Higher alcohol content. I'm glad you brought this up because this is an important thing to talk and, about. Um, you know, like I said, now with, if we do the blended learning where kids are there for two days a week, um, you know, it limits the number of kids in the building at any given time. So it literally cuts it in half, right? Because they're doing 
Right. They're trying to balance it out so that, like, I think right now the alphabet is, like, if your kid's last name starts with A through K, you're going to be going on Monday, Tuesday, and, uh, you know, L through Z, it's going to be on Thursday, Friday. And, um, like I said, when we do that, they're they're spacing kids out. Um, They're limiting the amount of time in the mornings. Like, for example, you know, kids usually, like, when they get to our school, they can kind of mingle together for 20, 30 minutes before class starts. And so they can eat breakfast and hang out and chill you know, in the hallway. Yeah. And, and that's going to, you know, that that's uh, going to stop right there. Uh, we're doing temperature checks every morning. Uh, every homeroom teacher is going to have a thermometer. You have to log that. I have to log my own temperature when I come to school. Um, and so it's like, we're trying to minimize, you know, like you said, we can't make it like, it's not going to be a hundred percent safe, but we're doing everything we can to minimize that. Um, and, uh, God love them. Our custodians have been working overtime trying to. They're probably like, God, I hate this. Well, not just not just cleaning, but uh, you know, trying to arrange desks and uh, lunch rooms and uh, find ways to uh, to get kids uh, where they're limited in is how close they can get. Uh, you know, and our administrators have been trying to rack their brains to comply with uh, you know guidelines that they get, and sometimes they don't have a choice in what's going on. The, you know, somebody from the state will tell counties, you got to do X, Y, and Z, make it work. And uh, they're working as hard as they can. Um, you know, so we're trying to make it work the best we can. You know, uh, my last uh, conversation I had with uh, Ryan Stoner on here when we were talking about pandemic parenting, you know, he, he th- I thought he was a little bit crazy. You know, he made the decision to go ahead and send his kids to school um, virtually, like 100%. Right. And, I, you know, I kind of pushed back a little bit on that, but... Like I said before, I'm I'm conservative, but I'm not stupid, you know. <laughs> but I um I see that that if you want certainty, it's probably the way to go. Um, and this is somewhat changing the subject from what you were talking about—the guys cleaning everything. But you know, all it's going to take is a an outbreak or somebody getting it, which they're they're inevitably going to it's going to happen, and then things will get slowed down. The price send you back home. It may be a good idea if you're looking for. If you're able to, like you and I have talked about, you know, some people's family situations, that's obviously not the first thing they're going to choose is to do virtual learning because it's not possible for them. But since you're already in Campbell County, they're already making you do partial virtual learning. It's kind of doesn't matter. But, you know, it may be for this semester a good choice. You know, at first I thought it was crazy, but maybe a good choice just send my kid totally virtually to, to, to just cut out the moving them here, bringing them back, having all this stuff go on because there's so many unknowns, you know. Um, right. You know, I don't think that's too crazy. I don't, uh, you know, and I don't have children, but I don't fault anybody for what they want to do with their kids. Yeah, and I wasn't faulting yeah. them. I just thought, you know, I wouldn't do that because I hadn't had to think about it. Well, there's a lot of that, believe it or not, there's a lot of that that goes on, like, uh, on, you know, if you take a look, and I know social media can be kind of a cesspool sometimes, Mm -hmm. but uh, people want to shame other people, like, how could you send your kids to school? How could you keep your kids at home? And, uh, you know, nobody, you don't, you know. Well, not not only does it, it it definitely, like, I'm not going to deny, it definitely keeps your kid safer from exposure, Okay. Uh, it may not make them smarter, but it may, you know what I mean? But right. it's definitely going to keep them less exposed. But my thing that I really, you know, I'm not going to shame anybody. I just kind of took myself back thinking I wouldn't do that. Well, maybe I would because it gives you certainty, which is something that everybody kind of needs. Right now, people that are sending their kids back to school, which that's good too. I kind of want everyone to go to school, like I've been telling you on here. But that's a little bit of an uncertain sort of 
um, endeavor right now because there are aren't there fail safes in place for if there is an outbreak or if you know they close right. school to, you depending know, it, on number of cases right I mean what it 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 may be more detrimental to the kids to keep moving them in and out and whatever and they don't know especially the younger kids don't know what's going on well and it, you know I really struggle for I feel bad for you know elementary teachers and elementary kids uh, middle school and high school kids are more adaptable they're older they can you know they can function if they have to function at home better than, and, and they can't always make excuses. Uh, whereas young kids, uh, they really do need their teachers uh, as much as possible. And, uh, you know, parents found out last year too, that trying to work with young kids at home uh, can be extremely frustrating for for the parent and for the child. Um, so, you know, like you said, you're, you're trading, you know, on, nobody's going to try to convince you that online education is, as good as in person. Um, but you get a higher degree of certainty that my kid is, and I don't, there's no guarantees in life, but they're a lot less likely to contract any type of disease if they're home, yeah. you know? Um, but, uh, you know, like I said, I wouldn't fault people no matter what you're trying to figure out what's the best thing to do for my child. Yeah, absolutely. Well, on that note, you know, we, we've been pretty long. I try to keep these 30 minutes. We've pushed 53 minutes, Don. Right. You're a great guy. I'm going to have you on here for some other topics sometime uh, in any, the future. Anytime. Uh, you know, love to come back. I appreciate you having me. Yeah. Hey, uh, Don, thanks for this conversation. And you have uh, you have been very enlightening. So that's the whole point of this. And I appreciate it, man. Take it easy. All right. Thank you.